one of my favorite bands is a band called Drew Holcomb and the Neighbors. I don't know if you, any of you know them, but they have a, a song called Family. And their song Family kind of embodies the craziness and beauty of families. There's a refrain that says family, singing in the kitchen, family, running through the yard, family, going on vacation on the credit card. Just normal activities of families. On the way to the city, laughing in the rain, it ain't always pretty, can drive you insane. That's true. <laughs> and the chorus says, you can't choose them, you can't lose them. <laughs> we all have a song to sing. Some are crazy, some are amazing, all got a little bit of everything. Families are amazing and diverse. There's a beauty to them even amidst the craziness. And in the midst of that song, it says, kick off your shoes and dance. He just says, kick off your shoes and dance. As if to say, embrace the joy, embrace the family you have with all of its craziness. And there's a truth to that in the church as well. The family of God. This is what we are. We are a family. The, before sin entered the world, there was family. Before God called Abraham, there was family. Before God called Israel, there was family. Before the law came, there was family. Before there was a new covenant in Christ, there was family. And now in the new covenant that Jesus is ushering in, he redefines family for us. And guess what? Some people think he's crazy, including his own family. He's casting out demons. He's healing the sick. He's teaching people righteousness. He's ushering in a kingdom. And his critics think he's uncontrolled by Satan. He's got an unclean spirit. And his family, embarrassed by him, is, they're like, maybe you, when your parents saw you were getting a little bit out of control, they kind of came over and said, all right, enough's enough. That's kind of what their family's doing. In verse, open your Bibles to Mark chapter three. In verse 21, though, his family thought he was going out of his mind. He was crazy. They were coming to seize him. But they didn't understand what he was doing. And they weren't gonna be able to stop him from fulfilling his mission. And now they've returned again to Jesus, and Jesus is again surrounded by a crowd. And in just kind of an interesting picture, his biological family's on the outside. The crowd is on the inside. And his family, kind of like a game of telephone, pass along a message to Jesus. Must have just gone through. And let's look at Mark 3, 31 through 35 to see what happens. And his mother and his brothers came, and standing outside, they sent to him and called him. And a crowd was sitting around him, and they said to him, Your mother and your brothers are outside seeking you. And he answered them, Who are my mother and my brothers? And looking about at those who sat around him, he said, Here are my mother and my brothers. For whoever does the will of God, he is my brother and sister and mother. Jesus redefines family for us this morning in this text. It's not biological relation that can claim to be a part of his distinct family. You think about John the Baptist telling the Pharisees, God can raise up children of Abraham from rocks. It's not physically descending anymore. It's those who come to Jesus, sit at his feet, and aim to do the will of the Father. These are his family. Jesus has a 
a higher calling. He's not going to be distracted by his family, his biological family. He says, I'm going to display to you what it means to love your heavenly father more than your own family. Because he's coming in to usher in a new covenant and a new family that will fulfill the promise of family. So this morning we're going to see there are the promises of family, the presence of family, and the path of family. So presence, the promise, presence, and path. So the promise, we start off thinking about Old Testament, helpful promises are, are aiming at, they're looking forward oftentimes saying that the people of God are going to be different when the new covenant comes in. There's going to be distinct differences. There's glorious promises. Then they're often cloaked in familial language. So if you have your Bibles and want to open to Jeremiah 31, you can, or I'll read it out loud in a minute. But they're looking to a day when a more glorious family is realized. And Jesus is saying that now that time is happening. The people of God are being redefined, re-understood in the fulfillment of what Jesus is ushering in. So Jeremiah 31, 31 through 34 says this. Behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and the house of Judah, not like the covenant that I made with their fathers. So we have familial language throughout the whole Bible. On the day when I took them by the hand to bring them out of the land of Egypt, my covenant that they broke. Though I was their husband, declares the Lord. It's familial language again. Verse 33. For this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, declares the Lord. I will put my law within them and I will write it on their hearts and I will be their God and they shall be my people. And no longer shall each one teach his neighbor and each his brother saying, know the Lord for they shall all know me from the least of them to the greatest declares the Lord for I will forgive their iniquity and I will remember their sin no more. Beautiful promise. So you have this language of family spread through the Old Testament, but the promise is for something greater, that this people of God are going to be those that know him and that he knows. The nature of the people of God was going to change in the coming of Christ. All will know the law. The law will be within us. God will possess us. He's, we are his people, but we will possess God. He is our God. Our sins are going to be forgiven and forgotten. Praise God. It's not a nationalistic identity anymore. It's rooted in your connection to God. And so he says, no longer will each person be saying to their brother, you should know the Lord, for they'll all know me. And Jesus is saying, the family now are those who do the will of God. He's fulfilling the promises by saying, everyone who knows God and does his will is part of the family. This is a promise being fulfilled in Jesus Christ. So you don't have to tell your brother, know the Lord. We as a family all know the Lord if you trust in Jesus Christ and follow him. You're part of the family of God. And this is what was promised. And so this is what Jesus is after here. And this must have been piercing and difficult for Jesus if you think about his family thinking he's crazy. When your own family questions you, I can imagine that it strikes at the core of your soul. But their efforts to stop him failed. He was unmoved by their appeals. He's saying, I'm committed to obey my heavenly father. I'm committed to be obedient to the point of death. Nothing's going to stop me. Not even my mom. 
which moms have strong power over sons. <laughs> Notices that Mary is here with her other sons trying to get a hold of Jesus. And we can use Mary kind of as a picture of what it's like when we forget the promises of God. Remember from the same chapter, verse 320, or chapter 321, the family was going out to seize him saying he's out of his mind. Mary's among them. And consider some of the promises that Mary had been given in her lifetime. So Gabriel came to Mary in Luke chapter one and told her, you're gonna conceive and bear a son and you're gonna call his name Jesus. He'll be great and will be the son of the most high. And the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father, David. He's gonna reign over the house of Jacob forever and of his kingdom, there will be no end. This is a promise Mary had received. She quickly responded, he who is mighty has done great things for me. Holy is his name. She responded faithfully right at first. She knew her son was special. But over 30 years now, she's trying to shape the promises to fit her idea of her son instead of allowing Jesus to shape the fulfillment of God's promises. She knew her son was special but she thought she knew better and tried to shape the promises around her idea. The, the shepherds came and told Mary what the angels had told her. Remember, the Savior, who is Christ the Lord, is born this day in Bethlehem. She treasured these things in her heart. She pondered them. Simeon at the temple told Mary and Joseph that Jesus is God's salvation, a light for revelation to the Gentiles, glory to your people. He also said, Jesus is appointed for the rise and fall of many in Israel, and that a sword would pierce through Mary's own soul. She has all these promises. Then when 12-year-old Jesus told his parents who accidentally left him in Jerusalem for a couple days, so mom's dad, show yourself grace. They found him in the temple talking and he said, I must be about my father's business. She knew these things, but had forgotten. She grew doubtful. She was concerned about Jesus. She needed help remembering the promises that she had heard about her son. And this is what we do as family. This is why we need each other as family because we are a forgetful people. We need to remember our promises as a family or we'll end up doubting like Mary. We need to share testimonies of God's faithfulness to us over the years so that we'll spur one another on and encourage one another to love and good deeds and stay faithful as a family. Please stick around right after this because we're gonna do this in the conversation for 30 minutes or so before we go eat lunch. We're gonna open the floor up for you to share thanksgiving to God for what he's done in your life. And I'd love to hear your stories. Those who remember promises and live them out then model what it looks like to be a member of the family of God. And we have such great and precious promises that we can remember together. So family, we are joined together around these promises fulfilled in Jesus Christ. But the reason we need those promises to be told is because the family is right here. It's right here. This is the presence of our family now, right here. I love Verse 33, what Jesus says. Look at 3.33. They asked him, right? Hey, they told him, hey, your mother and brothers are outside seeking you. And he answered them, who are my mother and my brothers? 
thought-provoking moment, right? Everybody in there is like, they're right there. And he says, looking at those, here, here are my mother and my sister and brothers. For whoever does the will of God, he is my brother and sister and mother. Do you think it hurt that, do you think it hurt Jesus' heart that his family was doubting him? I think it probably did. Do you think it struck the family's heart when they heard Jesus say this? Here are my family. Here's my family. Like, Jesus, we're family. I can hear the brothers. We grew up together. You were too nice in elementary school. I protected you from everyone because you never said a crossword, Jesus. Like, we have been in this for a long time. How are you going to say I'm not your family? I mean, moms, what would it feel like to hear a 30-year-old son say this? I mean, you've raised him. You've fed him. You've clothed him. You've done the dirty deeds of raising an infant. And now he knows you're there, and you think, oh, good, my son now knows I'm here. He's like, he'll come to me. He's my son. And he says, who are my mother and brothers and sisters? Here. And he doesn't point to you. This must have rocked her heart. And it rocked, I guarantee it rocked the crowd's heart. And I think it should rock ours today. We are family in Jesus Christ. Right here, here, here are Jesus' family, right here. I love these words, like right here. They're sitting, why are they his family? Well, the crowd is an image. They're sitting at his feet. They're learning from him. They're trusting him. They're looking to him in faith. They're just at Jesus' will. They're just here for him. And this is what the family of God does. We come to Jesus by faith, and Jesus is the Son of God. So when we believe in him, the Son of God, and we become united to him by faith, if Jesus is God's Son and we're united to him by faith, God becomes our Father, and we become one with him. Notice that Jesus doesn't say, right here are my father and mother and brother and sisters. No, no, he has a heavenly father. Even in the absence of his earthly father, Joseph, he has a heavenly father who, became, who becomes our father when we trust in Jesus Christ. But look at what else he says in verse 35 that's important in defining the people of God, especially at this moment in history. Whoever does the will of God, he is my brother and sister and mother. Jesus consistently raises the culture's view of women. And here he emphasized the rightful place in the people of God of women. And in the future, we're going to be having important discussions about women and their role in the life of the church. And Jesus affirms and values and displays love towards women over and over and over and over again in the Gospels in a revolutionary way. And so as we 
wrestle as a church and seek to understand the Lord and his word and how the roles of women and men are played out in the church, let's never think that it is diminishing any value in women and the people of God. So then how do we enter the people of God? If he says, here are my mother and brothers and sisters, how do we enter? Well, it starts by a new birth. I mean, you're born into a family and Jesus would tell you, you must be born again, as he told Nicodemus in John 3. Unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. We're born again when the spirit of God comes into our life awakens us to faith in Jesus Christ and we become new, we're born again. And once we're born again by the living and abiding word of God, we have this new hunger, new thirst. First Peter one and two teaches us like newborn infants, we long for the pure spiritual milk of God's word that we may grow into salvation. That's why we're here, right? You've been born again and you hunger for God's word, you hunger to encounter him. And in the new family of God, then, you call God Father. It's one of the beautiful expressions in Romans 8, is that we're adopted into God's family, and he's our father. And as a father, he has an unsearchable, immeasurable, inexhaustible inheritance for you that also belongs to his son, Christ Jesus. And all that is Christ's is yours in the family of God. So we can cry out to him in our pain, in our agony, in our fear, Abba, Father, and he hears because you're his child. In this new life, in a new family then comes from God. For all who believed in Jesus, who received him, he gave the right to become children of God. John 1, he gave the right. Americans are fanatics about their rights. (laughs) We should... We should be so consumed about this right. We have a right to be called children of God. You have a right to enjoy the benefits of the family of God right here. You have a right to it. He's your father. You have a right to enjoy this family. It's a a great right to have. Demand rights. The rights of being the children of God. Because what it means is that we're family with Jesus. We're family with Jesus. He, he looks at you and me, and he says, family, family. There's a friend that sticks closer than a biological brother, the Proverbs say, and Jesus redefines family in such a way that's him. He is the one that sticks closer to a brother. He's a friend who identifies you as family, unstoppable in his commitment to you and his loyalty to you. If you're ridiculed for Christ, he comes to bat for you like family. You remember when Saul was persecuting the church? Jesus came to him and he said, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting the church? Oh, why are you persecuting me? Because Jesus is so united to us as family that an attack on his people is an attack on him. He pleads your cause. He stands in for you, your family with Jesus. Psalm 2710 says, when my father and mother forsake me, the Lord will take me up. And that's what he does. He takes you up and makes you family. 
But the dynamic of family that here, the presence of family is here, is that we're family with each other. Jesus makes us into a family. We're here together, and guess what? We really desperately need each other. Families are meant to be enjoyed. They're meant to find laughter, meant to find love. Families are there to encourage and support one another, meet the needs of each other. One aspect of the beauty of the church is that it becomes the family you need when your biological families are unavailable or can't meet your needs. I don't know, I really don't know how people make it through life without the church. I just don't. I don't. When Sarah and I moved to Kentucky, we had five girls in five and a half years. She's the hero. Life was hard and our family was a thousand miles away, but our church was there. And when our biological family couldn't help, although they, they came and did help often and they wanted to do much more, when they couldn't though, guess who did? The church, our family. When we said goodbye to the pot cutters last week, do you remember what they said? They said, when, when we came here, you were the family that we needed. This is a beautiful thing about Frack family, is you were that family. I sent out that email here, wanting to hear from you all about how has the church become your family? I had a couple responses. Dewey, my brother, said this. My family has not always been supportive. I have his permission, by the way. And coming to this church has fulfilled everything that a family could. The first day I walked through the doors, I was greeted by elders and friendly people who said hello and welcomed us. I've been coming to Frack for just over a year, and I have brothers and sisters that I will have for life. I also have people like Dave and Beth Wall, who are like a mom and dad to me. I have many brothers and sisters in this church, and everybody in this church has really made me understand how important having the Lord in my life is, and it's helping me learn everything I can. And for that, I cannot thank you, your family, and everybody at this church enough for the support and love that I have received. That's what family does. What a beautiful appeal to the outsider that we could bring in here and show them what a family truly is. Barb responded as well. She said, during Frack's hardship, I felt their glue of deep love through forgiveness and pressing on in patience for what God had in store. Doesn't that sound like family? Frack has lifted me in the gap when I could not pray, stood with me in grief, encouraged me, listened and heard my heart cries. You're a family. It's seen. It's one of the most beautiful displays that Sarah and I saw when we first came and visited. This is a warm, familial place. I grew up without any brothers. I can tell I'll have brothers here. I grew up, I have no sons. I can tell the Lord will give me a few sons here. Although we're several, we're about 500 miles from my girl's grandparents. Many of you have already treated them as if they were your grandchildren. The barren can find children in the church. The lonely can find family and companionship. The only child can find siblings. The single can find community and love. The family of God is essential, essential to making it in this life. Being a part of Jesus' family is not easy because being a part of any family is not easy. It reorients our life, but it's beautiful and it's a foretaste of the glory that we'll enjoy forever. We have beautiful promises as a family and this right here 
here is Jesus' family. And it's a privilege and a pleasure to be a part of it. But our family has a path that we need each other to walk on with us. We, we need each other to encourage us, pick us up. We might lead, need people to lead us down this path out in front. We might need people behind us on this path, pushing us from behind. What is our new path? Look at verse 34. The path of the family. Whoever does the will of God, he is my brother and sister and mother. Whoever does the will of God, not just knows it, does the will of God, walks in it, embraces it, pursues it like the Nike commercial, just do it. Whoever does the will of God is his family. It's a different path than we were formerly on. It's a narrow road that leads to life. It's a distinct path from the world around us. It, it's marked by very different loves, different thoughts, different actions. When you take the name of Jesus and become his family, your path is different, completely different. Perhaps you have distinctives in a family, things that mark you. I'm a BB growing up. The BB way was get outside, hunt, fish, play football, get hurt, rub some dirt in it, right? Like that was just the BB way. Suck it up, buttercup. Pick yourself up by your bootstraps. Like that was the mentality, the BB way. There's, there's not all redemptive pieces in there. Christians are no different. The thing that marks a Christian is the, the Christian way is doing the will of our Father. It, it might be costly, might mean you leave friends or family, might leave, cause you to go places you didn't think you'd go, or, but our Lord Jesus himself left his father's throne above and left his earthly family, things that were precious to him in order to do the will of his heavenly father. Obedience to his father to accomplish the work he set out to do was supreme in his life and for us in our new family, the doing the will of the father is supreme. It's our new path for life doing the will of God. The will of God can be so misunderstood. It's important to know that God leads his own. He delights to direct your life. He's not excited about keeping things hidden from you. It's not who he is. The, the consistent picture we get of God is that he's personally invested in his children, gladly directing their lives. John 10 has the image, the sheep hear his voice. He calls his own sheep by name because we're family. And he leads them out. He says, I'm the good shepherd. I know my own because we're family. And my own know me. I have other sheep. I must bring them also. They will listen to my voice. His goal for you is not to be in the dark. I've seen people struggle and wrestle with knowing the Lord's will as if it's some specific thing hidden in a mysterious location and if they miss it, the rest of their life's gonna be miserable. It's like, no, that's not how the Lord wants you to live. And it's not how the Bible teaches about God's will. When it comes to God's will, God reveals many specifics, but there's much more freedom than you might think. He has his revealed will in his word where he clearly commands us. He doesn't command you to do something in here that he doesn't want you to do. He's not gonna do that. And he commands you in here to do things he truly desires for you. 
what are some of those commands he's, as he reveals his will for us? You know, the clear commands are there. They're turn to Jesus. Repent, turn from sin and believe in Jesus. There are things like think what God thinks. Like set your mind on things above. Whatever is good, whatever is pure, whatever is true, whatever is worthy, whatever is noble, whatever is honorable, think on these things, right? Think what God thinks. Love what God loves. Don't love the world or the things in the world. Love what God loves. Love what God says is lovely. And live like Jesus lives. I mean, there's a few times in Scripture where he says, this is the will of God for you in Christ Jesus. He makes it plain, and they're not hard for you to figure out. I bet you could guess most of them. Things like, don't get drunk. <laughs> Be filled with the Spirit. Speak truth to one another. Give thanks. Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Abstain from sexual immorality. Have self-control over your own body. There's even a warning in 1 Thessalonians 4. If you disregard these clear commands, you're disregarding God's will for you. You're, you're throwing away his clearly revealed will for you. And so his revealed will for us is so clear in his word. He makes it plain what we are to do and not to do. But then what most people get hung up on is like, what about my specific life? It's a specific will for me. I, I don't know this in advance, Lord. What am I supposed to do? Am I going to mess everything else up? No, you're not. You're not. He gives you a lot of freedom here. Questions like, what college should I go to? What job should I take? What house should we buy? Should I date this guy or girl? Should I tend to spend time with these friends? These types of scenarios exist inside the revealed will of God. So you can ask yourself things like, does it go against any clear command in Scripture? Does it cause me to, am I allowed to, able to think what God thinks on this? Am I able to love what God loves in this? Am I looking like Jesus in this, acting like Jesus in this? If you are, do what you want. There's just a lot of freedom. You're free to do what pleases the Lord if you're, if you're not violating any of those clear commands. And so there's a lot of freedom. If you're obeying God's word, loving what he loves, thinking what he thinks, then make a decision and trust the Lord. Do it in a manner that's pleasing to the Lord. There's great freedom here. But we don't always see this clearly, do we? There are times where I thought I was going to make a great decision. And someone has come to me and said, hey, Ryan, I think you need to rethink that. Be careful here. You know who those people were? Family in the church, because in a multitude of counselors, there's safety. Where there's no guidance, people fall. And so as a family seeking to do the will of the Lord, we need to do it together. We need other people's eyes on our lives, eyes on our decisions, helping us see things differently, understand them in light of God's word differently. Let our family here be the abundant counselors in your life. Lean into God's word. It's revealed. It's revealed in how he aims for you to walk in a manner worthy of his gospel. But then use your family here to understand and do the will of the Lord. I, I'm gonna shamelessly plug Sunday school right now <laughs> because Psalm 78 and a, a lot of other places command one generation to commend God's works to another. And this is family work. This is family passing on the works of God and the word of God that they've seen 
onto the next generation of our lives. So as we roll things out in January, we'll begin both adult and children's Sunday school. We do need help. Well, as we said, we'll need help in the nursery. We'll need help in three different children's Sunday school classes. So if you're interested, help. But this is a way you can live out family life and loving and instructing and teaching the next generation so that they can walk in the will of our Father. Just a little hope and help in the will of God. Jesus died to make you holy. Jesus died to help you walk in his will. You have great hope. You have great hope. But you also have great help. He's put the spirit of God inside of you to empower you to know his will and walk in it. So you have hope and you have help in the will of God. We are a family. We have great, precious promises as a family right here. We're not perfect. Someday we will be. Until we reach that day of perfection with the Lord's help, let's keep pursuing it here. Walking as a family. You need me. I need you. Desperately. We need each other. And we are a family, a gift to each other from the Lord. So let's enjoy this gift of family. You have a right to it. Until our brother, Jesus Christ, returns and takes us to spend eternity with our Father, God in heaven. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank you for being a friend that sticks closer than a brother. Thank you for laying your life down to save us from our sin and to bring us into your family. We pray that you'll empower us, Lord, to live out these truths and these realities as a family. We pray you'll remind us of great and precious promises that you have given to us as your family. We pray that you'll fill our minds with the truth of your will, the will of our Father in heaven, so that we can walk in that will and remind us, Lord Jesus, that you died to make us like yourself. So we can walk in your will by the power of your spirit within us. There's great hope and help here. May we enjoy the sweetness of family here together today, Lord. And even as we eat together in a little bit and as we reflect on thanks, give thanks for your faithfulness to us over the years. May we reflect and enjoy being the rights of being children of God together. We love you, Lord Jesus. We pray all of this in your name. Amen.